Hi, Belinda. Hi, Omar. What's this week's theme? This week's theme is healing card 24, the peony. Mm, And what's the prompt for healing? Taking the time to heal yourself is an expression of gratitude for this one wild and precious life you've been given. How can you support your own healing? Healing is such a, a, a big topic. And, you know, really it in some ways is beautiful, but in some ways is also about acknowledging brokenness, uh, which can be challenging. And so how does that prompt this week really help you or how can we help people really enter into uh, a conversation around healing? Well, to be honest, I've been a little nervous about this week's theme. You know, when we started with Forgive in our first episode, you know, we said, we're going to have to live this every single week. And yeah, the nervousness came from the bigness of this topic. And what's been coming up for me is how much can we lean on the power of our hearts when we're in a place of suffering and why our hearts it's amazing because you know hearts are metaphors for feeling into our emotions and the intelligence of our emotions and also just the fact that the power of our hearts has even more intelligence than our brains uh, there's a, some research done by HeartMath, and I'm just quoting them, saying that the heart generates an electromagnetic field 100 times stronger than the brain's field. The more coherent our heart energy, the stronger our heart field, which, which does things like boost our immune system and just supports our collective connections with each other in this field. You're giving new meaning to this idea of a broken heart. And if our heart is broken, it's not sending the signals uh, that the body and the mind needs to be whole. You know, part of learning about the heart. And when you when you suggested that we start with the heart in a conversation around healing, I was like, oh boy, where where are we gonna go with this? And and it, and it brought me back to this TED uh, X talk that I heard from a neuroscientist and how our brains have a wave signal. And when we're feeling stressed out or chaotic, it's not nice, smooth sort of movements. It's just, it's very chaotic and erratic. Well, we're going to start with one specific signal, which is the electrical signal of your heart. So your heart beats. So when your heart beats, ping, 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 ping. If you watch, you know, the medical programs before it goes beep. The ping is the heart basically contracts and causes a spike of electricity. And you can measure the distance between each heartbeat. And I don't know whether you know, but the distance between each heartbeat varies over time. So if we look at your heart rate over time, we'll see that your heart rate will vary up and down. And if you go to the doctors, he takes your pulse rate and he says the average is 70. But in taking the average, he's ignoring all the variance, and it's the variance that really matters. Taking the average, you lose all the critical data. That's like listening to Mozart and saying the average is da. 
So it's the variance, or something that's called heart rate variability, that's key. Heart rate variability key for three reasons. Number one, it predicts your death. So if I measure your variability for 24 hours, I can tell you when you're going to die. So now I have your attention. <laughs> what I loved about how he talked about the brain in that moment was really through the lens of coherence. Often when people are in the space of mindfulness, folks want to talk about being calm. And calm is good for some moments, but sometimes we actually need to have our energy level up. And so this idea that our coherence is actually tied to our hearts is really then very powerful because coherence, one definition of coherence is wholeness. And so if we're having a broken heart, then we're not actually feeling whole. And so then to focus on how we bring coherence to our hearts is really then this transformative thing. And, and, and as I dove deeper into the science and the research of it, that wavelength of coherence, when we feel it, it's actually something that we can transfer to other people. And we, when we transfer it to other people, we're now creating resonance. And so it's almost like a stringed instrument. And when the string is tuned, it actually vibrates and sends sort of a signal to the next string over. And then all of a sudden you have harmony. And it's just amazing that how do we create harmony between our minds and our hearts? Well, a personal story I'll share related to this, Omar, is as you've heard now, uh, last week I had a broken heart. My dearest, dearest feline uh, decided to leave in the middle of the night at our cat sitter's house. And I remember receiving the news last Monday and I felt heartbroken because this is an indoor cat. He's never experienced the wild before. It's a new person's home. And I just remember feeling the sense of loss. And one day passed and then another day and then another day. And pretty soon Monday turned into Friday. And I remember this point where I felt a lot of despair, just lo loss of hope. And it makes me think about our healing journeys. You know, when we lose hope, what do we do? And for me in that moment, I found myself talking to friends who, who know this dear cat of mine. And every time we would connect around this loss, one, I felt more grief coming through, so my heart felt even more broken every time I would talk about it. And then after that wave of grief, it felt like there was this um, connection, this resonance, you know, just being able to share about the pain and the loss and the hope that I was losing every day. And luckily... He decided to return on the seventh day, same time of night that he left. And um, afterwards, I, I remember feeling this deep connection with the friends and the loved ones who literally were holding space for me to grieve and also holding space for hope. You know, I remember getting text messages saying, I haven't lost hope. 
And that meant so much to me because I felt my hope disappearing with each day of his loss. So it was a very real feeling of of resonance in this group field. And it was so much about the heart because my heart was so broken with this mystery of not knowing what would happen. Mm. Well, I'm glad that you found your cat or your cat found you uh, again. What I'm hearing also is just this relationship between our hearts and when, when we're heartbroken, something is missing. In this case, it was your cat, right? And when a part of us is missing, again, we're just, we're not whole and there's this brokenness. And so how do we really then restore that brokenness? It reminds me of this Japanese practice called kunsigi. It's based on the Japanese emperor who had his favorite teacup and it broke. He sent it to China to try to get it fixed, but none of their solutions really honored the cup in the way that he wanted it to be held again. And so the local artisans put the pieces back together with gold. And the idea was that the seams would actually be shown. And that it wasn't about hiding the brokenness, but actually celebrating the restoration. And by using gold or silver, it was this idea that the teacup was actually worth even more restored than it was in its original state. And so there's this, in some ways, paradox about heartbreak where we, in some ways, what it's acknowledging is our trust to have loved and then to acknowledge the pain is a measure of that love. And then also then an acknowledgement that we can be restored. And so what is the gold, what is the silver in our lives that we're using to mend our wounds? I love that idea of the brokenness being the treasure of life, the more that we can grow and go deeper within really feeling all of the depths of our emotions. That's where the, the gift or the value of life comes forth. So we're going to get a chance to hear Arlene's story on this card. Also in this episode, we're going to dive a little bit more into the science than we normally do, just because there's such fascinating research on the neuroscience, on just the study of the heart. And, and the great thing about it is that there's things that we can do, right? That just like the broken teacup, it didn't just magically come back together. It took some work. It took some new material, uh, to really restore the pieces. And I'm excited to really think about brokenness as something that we have a little bit more agency around in our own healing. So here is the story behind our healing card in the Gratitude Blooming Deck, The Peony. 
Over the years, I have grown very curious about archetypal stories and myths that run deep through a culture. By myths, I mean stories like Homer's Iliad and Odyssey and Virgil's Aeneid, which are some of the ones I was introduced to in school. There is something about how these stories are passed on through verbal and written storytelling, like a line or thread or connection we share with humanity through time. And I'm amazed at their ability to render lasting imagery and feelings that remain in our consciousness long after experiencing them. This powerful kind of storytelling is one of the reasons I'm so drawn to express my own experience in art. I think ultimately art is really about creating connection through deep understanding. So the peony drawing, really all the drawings in this deck, was inspired by trying to uncover the shared understanding, something beyond time, that we have with the plants and flowers we encounter in life. In this case, I was thinking about how the peony's name is connected to the ancient Greek mythological healer, Paeon, known as a healer and doctor to the gods. Paeon appears in Book 5 of the Iliad and heals Ares, the god of war, who is injured by Diomedes in a fierce battle. What sort of blows my mind in this story is that Ares is a god, not a mortal human. So what does it mean for someone with immortality to be injured and to need healing? It all feels very big to me. A big version of wounding and healing beyond the physical wounds we are accustomed to seek help for as humans. And Paeon, who in one story I've seen, uses the roots of a plant, perhaps the peony, to cure the wound. The story seems to suggest that even the things that we perceive as immortal or everlasting can die without proper care. So the peony for me has sort of come to represent healing in any and all the dimensions that it is needed. The multitude of petals overflowing in all directions is a reminder of the complexity and interconnectedness of the wounds and the healing and the beauty that is possible in our lives. Even the kind of healing that happens beyond our physical experience and understanding of the world. Well, that was mind-blowing. I had no idea that peony was actually related to the word of healing. And I just appreciate so much also her relationship to the Greek myths. As you know, I've been really learning a lot about indigenous practices around wayfinding. And What's fascinating about wayfinding is that it's related to our brain's development. So the prefrontal cortex is where language, spatial location, and memory are all stored. And so a lot of our stories helped us. We're all about navigation. So how do we locate ourselves? And then how do we use memory and oral traditions and history to help people navigate life. And it was very practical. And so to me, this relationship of memory, language, 
uh, and location is now related to healing. And I love also that she looked at nature as the gold, as the silver to find the healing. And just this acknowledgement of healing on all the dimensions, it's it felt really profound to hear her talk about, you know, this immortal being being wounded and how at this time in history, it feels like we're all being pushed to heal on all of these levels. And sometimes it's overwhelming because it's like physically, you know, it's physical sickness. Then there's emotional loneliness and disconnection and feeling isolated and spiritual, you know, can we follow that light? Like we talked about last week with reverence, where is our light? How can we find it? And how do we follow that? I just love how the healing theme feels really connected to, to reverence. And it's interesting because I don't, we don't always have a memorable story around the prompts and I remember when we were writing these prompts, it, it felt like a really high stakes exercise because it was like, how do we match the words with the power of this art expressed through nature? And for this particular prompt, I remember looking into, we collectively looked at, you know, who's talking about nature and how does it relate to healing and we came up with this uh, Mary Oliver quote, who is one of my favorite poets who uses art and nature and weaves them into her writing. And I just want to read this poem for you all that inspired this prompt. The Summer Day by Mary Oliver. Who made the world? Who made the swan and the black bear? Who made the grasshopper? This grasshopper, I mean. The one who has flung herself out of the grass. The one who is eating sugar out of my hand. Who is moving her jaws back and forth instead of up and down. Who is gazing around with her enormous and complicated eyes. Now she lifts her pale forearms and thoroughly washes her face. Now she snaps her wings open and floats away. I don't know exactly what a prayer is. I do know how to pay attention, how to fall down into the grass, how to kneel down in the grass, how to be idle and blessed, how to stroll through the fields, which is what I have been doing all day. Tell me, what else should I have done? Doesn't everything die at last and too soon? Tell me. What is it you plan to do with your one wild and precious life? This is definitely a wild and precious life. My favorite line from Mary Oliver is that attention is the beginning of devotion. And so what we pay attention to is really a reflection of what we're devoted to. And, and so this focus around healing, beginning with the heart, and recognizing that heartbrokenness is about uh, a little bit of incompleteness. Something is missing. And so what does that restoration look like? Where do we look to? And, and Mary Oliver looked to nature. 
And that was, you know, and, and, it, and Arlene has just been pulling these amazing elements together. Last week, you were talked about reverence as our theme. And Arlene was inspired by Van Gogh. And after we recorded that episode, I actually ended up going to the Van Gogh experience with my family. And it was just this really immersive space where it was representations of his paintings, but also a little bit of the background in history and story. And he was looking for nature, for his own healing. He had a lot of pain. And he had this one beautiful line, if one truly loves nature, one finds beauty everywhere. And so part of this relationship to healing is, I think, related to beauty, right? The teacup was going to be restored in a beautiful way where the brokenness and the seams were actually elevated by the material used. And so what does it look like to be heartbroken and then actually be made more beautiful afterwards? You almost have to let go of what, what, what it was in order for it to take a new form. And isn't that what nature shows us all the time is that evolution is about change and non-attachment, right? It's not about just sort of keeping things as they are. I spent a decent amount of my career in the park and open space. And if you think about some of the language that we use, some folks talk about preservation. We want to preserve a space as it was. And we consider that sometimes pristine and that's ideal. And then there's some folks that are like, well, what about conservation, right? It's not necessarily about just keeping something as it once was, but how do we conserve it and evolve? And I think this is to me why I've always been drawn to the environment in urban spaces is because cities are always being remade. And everything is constantly changing. And there's this push and pull between keeping things in their pristine state and yet also acknowledging what does it take to evolve and how are we going to live together? I think for me, and we talk about uh, personally why I do this work, after many years of working on sustainability and thinking about climate change and how do we build the infrastructure to become more uh, respectful of our environment. I realize that it's actually about not the moving of bricks and sticks, but the moving of hearts and minds, beginning with my own. And to me, this idea is really about if we want to heal our planet, we actually have to heal our hearts. And to heal our hearts is about finding our own wholeness and when we find our own wholeness, then we move from that sort of idea of coherence to resonance. And the resonance then is all about moving those around us. And so that idea of then moving our own hearts and our own healing is part of how we heal the world. Omar, you're reminding me of that gratitude circle we hosted last week for healthcare leaders. And what was really striking about that circle was, you know, there were these 20 amazing leaders, all of them holding that space for the system to change, to evolve, to heal so many people who are physically sick right now. 
And I'm struck by what you said about healing hearts and minds starting from your own heart. And what was most painful for me to hear was how much taking the time for healing for each of those healthcare workers was so hard. It was such a challenge for them to make that space. And they're the ones that are holding this whole system up right now that feels like it's collapsing. It's certainly ironic that there is need for healing for the healers. And yet they're not being really given that space or time and resources. And this idea of wellness centers, I mean, we're now working in two or three hospitals that have just started wellness programs. It feels like we've gotten the health part of healthcare a little bit of backwards. I'd love to hear the clips from some of those uh, stories in that circle to share with everyone. You know, just last night, um, as I sat on the couch, kind of at the end of the day, taking a deep breath, doing a little meditation and trying to calm from all of the crazy of the day, um, I thought about self-care and just the, um, that it doesn't, you know, it's not, I'm going to get a pedicure or a manicure or it can be that, but it doesn't have to be that. It can be just those quiet moments by myself. Um, petting my dog or my pig and just kind of um, being where I am to really uh, bring that energy back to myself. Makes me laugh a little because not only for myself, but for my team at work, I think as healthcare providers, we easily put others ahead of us. And in the pandemic, we rose to that heroic effort. And then as it went on, we really I think found ourselves a bit in the valley of despair because that adrenaline and that heroic effort was gone. And really what we need is the self-care, right? We needed to turn the energy back to ourselves. And um, I've been reading a lot about how self-care is one thing, but it's really team care. It's sharing the self-care and supporting each other um, in the self-care. And so Here we are in this gratitude circle, right? And what an opportunity to make space for people to give themselves permission for self-care. This idea of giving yourself permission feels so important, regardless of what's happening around us. You know, when we feel that despair, the brokenness of loss, How can we still hold that space for ourselves, for our own healing, and and truly believe that that's critical for the collective? I heard the despair. And when you and I were invited to create our Healing for the Healers campaign for healthcare workers in greater Los Angeles, the person who invited us said, what she's hearing is that healthcare workers are facing a joy deficit. And it wasn't just about providing PPE and more technical materials and services and supplies. It was really about their own condition. We were hearing stories, you know, when we did, we sent 10 DJs to 10 hospitals at the shift change. We really heard these amazing and powerful stories of 
nurses and doctors not even being able to get out of their cars. They were in the parking lot and just the trauma of going from the car to the front where they would have to go through a whole sanitation process, a whole, you know, bevy of survey questions. And they had to do that every day that they checked in. And so to me, I just, you know, this idea of how do we move from self-care to team care? You know, yesterday uh, I had lunch um, with Simon Sinek, who wrote the book, Start With Why. And he said, how come in the bookstore, there's a whole section on self-help and there's no section on help for others. And to me, this is why we have gratitude as a social emotion. We have this tool that really intersects our own self-care and shared relationships, that our healing is actually not about just doing it ourselves, but how do we actually do it together? It feels like we're in this really critical time in the world where it's not just about our own healing. Maybe it's never been about that. It just feels like with the pandemic and everything that's going on with climate change and what the earth is telling us, feels like it's a call to action that in order for the collective healing to happen, in order for us to restore our relationship to Mother Earth, to others, within organizations, we need to take that time. We need to give ourselves that permission to start with ourselves first and then see how it ripples out. See how the resonance then spreads across heart to heart to heart, eventually restoring the harmony and balance in the world. I just feel like there's so much pain and suffering right now in particular. And yeah, I have, I hold great hope for the possibility of healing. And there's a part of me that's also really afraid. You know, what if we can't do it collectively? Why, what if we can't evolve to the changes that are so huge right now? You know, the wildfires, the weird climate things that are happening all over the world. You know, the next, the variant of the Delta virus. Um, it's just, there's just so many things right now that are pointing to this need for healing, the need for restoration and evolution collectively. Well, I have hope, Belinda. I'm an eternal optimist. And I think in part because, you know, part of the Mary Oliver's poem was about who is doing all these things, who is creating all these things. And I don't know what the who is, but I do know that life continues and life evolves. You know, certainly there's a question mark on how long Homo sapiens are going to get to play on this, uh, you know, playground, um, this rock that's hurtling through space. Um, but life will continue in one form or another. And I think part of it is this is why there's a deep urgency though, at the same time, that we have a choice. Like was, what we said at the beginning is that the powerful thing about healing is that we have some agency, right? This isn't just left to fate. 
that healing is something that we have an active role in um, and that this is what's constantly happening. That's why it's important for us to be in relationship with each other so we can receive those reminders when we need it from the other person. That's what I love about our collaboration, Omar, is you, when I uh, start going down into my shadow, you point that flashlight under me and say, hey, look, here it is. So sometimes that light that we're looking for, it, it takes the form of a flashlight from our, our dear ones in our lives. We're now going to get to hear a few stories from our gratitude circles related to the gratitude blooming healing card. I think for me, the peony prompt um, allowed me to evaluate and examine myself. Um, I feel like I've been on a really intense, incredible, like healing journey, especially during quarantine. But even with coming into this space today, feeling under attack, I had to like think about what have I done to kind of open the door for this attack because I feel like I had to, I have to own up to like my role in it. It just gives me an opportunity to reset my boundaries around like healthy relationships and make sure that I'm following the things that I've learned kind of like in the wilderness. And like now that I'm in another place, remember, you know, why I was able to experience like healing. Remember that it takes like steps and that I have to really adhere to them, you know, even like when it's hard. This idea of healing and boundaries is so important. I think it's why we say, was it good neighbors and good fences go together? Because we need to understand sort of what our boundaries are. And so I think part of being open to possibilities is also understanding what are your limits and really being clear and transparent about them. At the same time, not building sort of a fortress, right? We our boundaries, we don't want them to be armor that actually shields our feelings and emotions. We still want to feel in our emotions. We also want to know when we're sort of really open to it and when we're not. I'm also being reminded of the importance of defending our space when we need that healing. And healing requires space. And I love that this story is, is that reminder of it's okay. It's not being selfish, actually, to say, hey, I need to take the space right now for my healing. I feel like healing for me is something that I'm, I'm always trying to figure out. And um, things come up that I feel like I've healed from and it's in a new stage and version of my life. And, and I had to realize that it's not something that, like a finish line that I'm gonna get to. When I'm finished healing, I'm gonna pass over to a different life. Um, healing is going to be consistent throughout this entire lifespan. And that's just something that I have to continue to remind myself because sometimes um, it can be a little upsetting when you feel like you haven't healed from um, past things or just when you think about all the healing you still have left to do, uh, but it doesn't have to be in that way. I think when you see healing as a, cons a consistent thing, life is a healing and feeling process, then it comes a little more easy for you. Not necessarily easy, but 
um, open maybe. That's just my thoughts on the card with healing and time. I just love the acknowledgement that healing is a process. It's more of a journey as opposed to a destination. And if we sort of feel like we're in a constant state of healing, then I feel like we're sort of in a constant state of self-care. We're in a constant state of helping others. And as opposed to kind of thinking that like, oh no, this needs to be perfect. We're not trying to stop things and preserve them and put them in a museum behind a glass wall. The emperor wanted to drink from his cup. You know, he didn't want to like look at it behind some glass and say, oh, look at that beautiful teacup there. No, the cup was meant to drink from and in the process of living, things break. And so instead of trying to focus on just brokenness and healing as a win-lose state, it's a journey. And, you know, and I think part of what we're now learning in the science of this too is that physical wounds also have emotional wounds. And, and, and I'm really loving the attention right now in the embodiment somatic space where we're really uh, creating room for the mind-body uh, emotional um, healing and how these things go hand in hand. So I haven't been on here before and um, I guess I'm just trusting the timing. Uh, I just, I feel like I'm not super clear with technology. I just, I think I'm in my own way a little bit. Um, sort of scattered. Sorry. <laughs> um, I lost my mom in November and I brought her home to take care of her. And I knew that was coming and I'm glad that I got to take care of her. And I got through Christmas and then I found my brother dead in January. And so healing for me is sort of, yeah, I'm hurting and I'm working part-time and trying to keep my head up, but I'm really depressed. I'm trying to stay alive and have joy. And I needed somewhere to be seen, I guess, so here I am. I'm really struck in my heart right now, listening to this story and how part of healing requires us to be in the depths of our sorrow and our grief. And for me, culturally, I never felt like I had permission as a child to express my grief or sadness. And so I didn't really know how to do that as an adult. And for a long time, I felt that strength meant 
no emotion. We're not going to be showing that with the world. And more and more, what I'm learning through life and through this story of loss, really deep, unexpected loss, is without acknowledging the sorrow and the grief, it's hard to heal. Part of the healing requires us to acknowledge I'm sad, I'm depressed, I'm scattered, I'm not doing well. And it takes courage to do that, to be able to say that to ourselves first and then say, hey, you know, I'm, I'm telling you right now, this is what I'm feeling so it can be seen. It just feels really delicate and tender and soft. And, you know, what would it take to reveal or share that part of ourselves with another person? It's scary. Just that last piece where just wanting to be seen. In some ways, we can't heal what we don't acknowledge. And also just recognizing the power of healing in community. She lost two family members. And to just know that she was not alone, that she can be connected at a heart level with even strangers. It's just, to me, a testimony of the power of humanity that even among strangers, we all share these emotions. We all share these losses. And our healing happens when we come together and see each other as we are. This morning, I was working with a group of Native Americans who are building the first Native American cultural district in a city in the country. And one of the members just came back from the Sundance ceremony of his tribe. And the elders told him, we begin our ceremony by asking for help. Part of healing is knowing when we need help and asking for it. And this is what sort of ceremony and ritual are practices. Breath is a practice. It's a ritual. It's a way that we provide the gold and the silver to mend our hearts each and every day and each and every moment. Cheers to honoring this one wild and precious life. What a wonderful conversation today on healing, the power of starting with our hearts. And next week, something very closely tied to healing is trust. And so as we dive into what is trust, you know, the beautiful thing about trust for me is this idea that the only way to create trust is to give it. 
look forward to talking with you next week. I can't wait to see what's in store and I'm slightly afraid. (laughs) There's no courage without fear. Very good point. Cheers. Cheers. Life can be messy beautiful. Gratitude circles create space for people to come together and acknowledge what is. We invite you to join a gratitude circle. Learn more at gratitudeblooming.com.